Welcome to episode 101 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell here with you. Um, previewing the SEC championship game, Alabama versus Georgia, number one versus number eight. Um, the Tide hopefully looking for a win, and an upset win, about a five-and-a-half-point underdog right now. Um, in order to get into the college football playoff, um, guys, you know, we discussed the playoff on here two or three weeks in a row. There's no sense in beating a dead horse. So that's one thing we will not be discussing tonight. Um, because, you know, by the time by then by the time we get on the the podcast next next week, you know, we'll we will know whether or not Alabama is in. And then, you know, or this this is of course assuming they win, then we can complain. Um or, you know, talk about how how grateful we are that Alabama got in the playoff, but won't be doing any playoff talk tonight. Just going to break down this Georgia game and the SEC championship. You know what Alabama needs to do on offense, defense. You know the whole nine yards. Um, maybe some positional breakdowns wherever uh, we see Alabama maybe having an edge in this game. But you know the uh, I think one of the biggest question marks is defensively for Alabama on their side of the ball. I think that your question mark on offense is of course. Jalen Milrow and Tommy Reese, how are they going to do? Of course, we'll talk about that. But let's start on the defensive side of the ball. J-Law, I was breaking down this game, and I want to get both of your guys' opinion on it. What I thought the most important factor for Alabama in this matchup, maybe on either on either side of the ball, is getting pressure on the quarterback, getting pressure on Carson Beck. Georgia's offensive line, believe it or not, has given up eight sacks in 12 games. I think Bama's offensive line gave that up by like halftime of the Texas game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another another stat that we need to be looking at here, Carson Beck completes 75% of his throws when he has a clean pocket. That number dips to 51% whenever he's pressured. So, like I said, I think that's the most important stat on either side of the ball for Alabama in this game. Jayla, do you trust Alabama to maybe get home with four, or do you think they need to bring consistent pressure? I think they're going to try to, you know, do both early in the ball game to see what they if they can get home with uh, Braswell and Dallas Turner. I mean, that Georgia offensive line, dude, they're legit. You know, I mean, they've been heavy ground and pound the last couple of years, but just watching them over the last month and how comfortable they feel with Carson Beck throwing the football. And it helps when you have a really good offensive line, man. It helps when that guy's not under pressure. Um, it helps them not make mistakes. It helps their quarterback just have enough time to dissect kind of what's going on on the defense. Because we know we're – even though there's a lot of offense in this league, there's a lot of defense in this league. And if your quarterback doesn't have time to kind of survey and get the feel because there's so many good defensive coaches, they're just not going to be successful. So Georgia's OL, man, they, they've been pretty good. When I was looking, I noticed they didn't. Here's the thing about Georgia. They don't give up sacks. But they also don't sack the opposing quarterback. It's kind of weird. So when you look at the look at their stats and kind of watch their games, you know they they don't get to the quarterback, but they don't let anybody get to their quarterback. But I do expect Alabama to try to get home early with just two to leave as many guys in coverage, work on Bowers, McConkey, um, uh, the other guy that was supposed to be really good for him, Love It or whatever. Um, he's their leading receiver, I believe. But I don't, man, he's not, you know, Xavier Worthy or anybody. So I just expect Alabama to try to get home with two, try to mix and match it. I would I would expect some exotic blitzes, but I know Alabama hopes that if they can get there, if they send four and they get there, um, they kind of hope that's how this game is going to go because, I mean, you 
you just don't want to let a couple of big plays beat you where you send a blitz, it doesn't get home, and the next thing you know, Bowers or McConkie or Lovett or somebody's running wide open, similar to what happened in the Iron Bowl last week because you really start to count how many points you can score. So I think Alabama wants to leave at least six in coverage. Can they get to the quarterback with four or five? Or how about this, how Saban says it, affect the quarterback. No, you don't have to get to him. Make him move his feet. Make him, you know, force a bad throw, force a bad decision. I think that's what Alabama's going to want to do, at least up front when you talk about rushing the quarterback. Yeah, and remember the the stat I threw out there, he's 51% when he's pressured. That You know, whenever he gets sacked, of course, he's 0%. So sacks are always the goal, but just pressuring the quarterback, um, the best way to get pressure. And, and you know, I think it's a mix of both. And, you know, J-Law, you immediately threw out stats, and it's so hard to compare stats in this game because of the fact that you've got Georgia sitting there with the strength of schedule of 56 and Alabama at 15. So you look down the board, Georgia is going to be ahead of Alabama in almost every statistical category, but you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt because Alabama's played such a harder schedule than Georgia. Georgia's played three teams back to back to back and, you know, um, defenses, you know, something that I'll break down. They, they haven't they haven't seen a ton, even with the ranked teams they played. Missouri, I guess, is okay. I guess they're technically a top 10 team. So, but you got, you know, Ole Miss and Tennessee who who about quit by the time Georgia played them there at the end of November. But uh, so you kind of have to take stats here with, with a grain of salt. But I think you have to do a good mix. You know, you have to pick your spots. I, I don't think it's smart to – you know, try to bring pressure every single third and eight plus, you know, maybe maybe mix up some pressures on second and four, um, maybe third and shorts or whatever, you know, just pressure on first down. You have to do a good job. Kevin Steele has to do a good job in this game of picking his spots to pressure the quarterback. And um, also, you know, wouldn't mind seeing some outside blitzes. It's not something that you've seen a ton from Alabama this year. Blitzing off the edge, those cat corner blitzes that Javier Arenas was so good at back in the, uh, you know, 2008 and 2009. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that because of the fact that whenever you blitz up the middle with your linebackers, that's usually where Brock Bowers does his damage. You know, he he loves to catch the ball over the middle, replacing blitzing linebackers, finding holes in zone blitzes. So you have to be able to be creative in your blitz packages in order to neutralize that, which is the biggest part of their offense. Lester, if you're Kevin Steele and you're looking at this Georgia offense, how do you, how do you, how do you decide how you're going to get pressure? Um, I believe that you have to be hyper-aggressive um, early on. You have to, you have to, tr- like I said, like we talked about at the beginning of the year, you have to trust Terry on, you have to trust Kool-Aid. You have to trust those Caleb Downs. You have to trust your elite guys on the back end to step up, and make plays, and also if Georgia is able to complete passes, to limit the yards after catch. Look, they're going to catch balls, McConkey, um, but they're going to catch balls. But what you cannot allow, and if you watch highlights, you cannot allow for missed tackles to allow them to continue to run after they have caught the ball. So that goes on the linebacker's responsibilities and the defensive back's responsibilities. I mean, I mean, hey, first play of the game, send send eight people. I don't care, but I do believe that you have to set the tone early. And I would like to see Alabama do that on both sides of the ball. Set the tone early, be aggressive, 
and just limit them. I don't think that you're going to completely stop them, but you must limit them. You must limit mistakes. You have to be sound fundamentally. That's so that goes tackling, coveraging, you know, no, no defensive PIs, things like that, things that can hurt you even though you have done your job well. So limit them, play sound defense, and be aggressive. I, I was – you know, looking at a couple stats earlier that may have got sent in the group, but I, I don't, I don't want to say Georgia is fool's gold, but you know, basically, yeah, you kind of touched on it based on what you said with their schedule and how you know, fifty-six ranked schedule and things like that. But Georgia hasn't faced a defense like Alabama's, like that, that like they have come. They haven't faced the offense like I was either, quite frankly. So, um. I would love for them to take chances and be aggressive and just be sound defensively. Because once you do that, that allows for you to go after those guys because you can finally trust that the guys in the back end aren't going to allow them to continue to capitalize on mistakes. Lester, are you um are you Willie's half brother? No, you, you certainly you love to blitz, man. Do, do you have a blitz, Bama blitz shirt? I don't, but you, you sure? To, I, I, do I need to come no. to Birmingham and go through your closet? Because I mean, no. you, you I blitz, damn it! Blitz. Oh, I tried to get the shirt, but I, n- I never heard back from him. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, you're you're right on that. I damn I, I, sure ain't calling them fools go. I'm, I'm gonna let you coin that phrase because I ain't saying that. I think they're still a dang good football team. But you're right, dude. I mean, you know, Carson Beck, he, he's been elite this year. But you start digging a little bit, and this guy's the top pass, de- the top five pass defenses he's faced are ranked 30th, 44th, 61st, 63rd, and 68th. And really, if you want to, you know, for comparison purposes, Jalen Milrow, he's not facing top five defenses every week, but his top five uh, highest ranked secondaries that he's faced 21, 30, 31, 33, 61. So it's not really too shabby once you break it down. I mean, Milrow has, has faced some solid, some solid secondaries and and pass defenses, and and Carson Beck really has not. I mean, when you're bet when the best defense you face is Auburn, you know that's that's really saying something. And um, so you're right, dude. I mean, and Lester, I wouldn't mind your strategy early in the game. I don't think in the fourth quarter you need to be sending eight guys, but. Definitely early in the game, like you said, try to get him rattled, aggressive from the jump. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of trust Milrow in big-time situations more than I do Carson Beck simply because Milrow has been in, what, like six or seven of them this year? I mean, how many tight games has he played? How many come-from-behind wins does he have when his team was trailing or tied at the half? It seems like six or seven this year. And – um and Carson Beck, frankly, hasn't been in that situation. I mean, maybe, what, South Carolina week three or something like that? They were down like 17, 10 and a half. But, um, yeah, definitely not the same caliber of program that Milrose done it against. But, yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, another huge question defensively for Alabama. Uh, you're really not going to get a lot of argument. The best player on the field at all times is going to be Brock Bowers. And as good as Kool-Aid are, or Kool-Aid is, Terry on. Alabama's got a lot of individual talent on that defense um, at the linebacker spot and the secondary positions. J-Law, do you try more of a zone blitz type look or zone look against Brock Bowers in this game and hope that you can get to Carson Beck before Bowers finds the hole in your zone coverage? 
or do you man them up? And of course, you know, they'll run a little bit of both, but whenever they man up, my question to you is who's the man, who's the man that's going to, that's going to draw the assignment of covering Brock Bowers one-on-one. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. If you want to give yourself a chance to get to Carson Beck and make make a guy like Brock Bowers have to find where he needs to go, he'll probably have a couple option routes based off his own defense. So, you know, that was kind of thinking that too. Like the the best, not not that Alabama likes to sit in a lot of zone, but Saban definitely loves to miss and uh, mix and match. He doesn't want to play too much man. Doesn't want to sit back on his heels too much. Wants to be aggressive. But I think in this game, I've been. I've listened to Rodney Orr on, what, four different radio shows today. I've been thinking about this all week. And who covers Brock Bowers when it's time to play man defense? And, man, I I know you want to say put your best guy on him, but that's not really how it always lines up because if that's the case, then every team's best corner would just line up wherever Travis Kelsey is every Sunday. That's, that's not just real. It's not really how football works. The misalignments get you out of, get you out of place. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people say that they feel really comfortable probably with Caleb Downs being able to do it. Probably Alabama's best overall player on defense, being able to come up and play a little bit against Brock Bowers, still a freshman though. I thought he was out of position a couple times last week. I don't feel very comfortable with um, Jalen Key doing anything. Malachi Moore, I mean, not that he's soft, but I don't – he's really started off this year great, really kind of been touch and go since then. So I think I think the plan is going to be a lot of zone. I would not be surprised if Caleb Downs was a guy that they kind of strapped on top of um, Brock Bowers when they were going man based off of what the their alignment is. And uh, I think that if you're not going to put – you know, Kool-Aid or Terion on him, which obviously I do not foresee that happening. Um, I think Caleb Downs might might be your best bet going best athlete on best athlete and trying to stop Brock Bowers. And we say all that to say I haven't watched the Georgia game where Brock Bowers has been stopped. So, you know, I don't know. I think Brock Bowers is going to get his and you just cannot let Georgia beat you with everybody else. Yeah, it's kind of like what what Alabama did with LSU. You know, Malik Neighbors went off for like 150 yards or whatever it was, and uh, he was the only one who did who had anything over like 40 yards. So, you know, you, you let the All American get his and try to stop the other two or three guys that they have that they can do some damage. Um, yeah, you're right about the mix and match. Saban's not going to run zone for 60 minutes. He's not going to run man for 60 minutes. Um. You know, J-Law, you mentioned his name, but if I had to pick a guy, I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna lean towards Malachi Moore. And the reason is he is a cover guy. So there's no question about his cover skills. I think the biggest knock on Malachi is that he's been a tad slow. Uh, you know, you watched the Tennessee game last year. He was a t- he, he was slow, he couldn't cover Jalen Hyatt, he kept running right by him. Um Florida in 2020 when they really picked on Malachi Moore is because he couldn't keep up. So I think with Bowers not being a, you know, he's got speed once he gets going. He doesn't have a ton. He doesn't have receiver type acceleration, if that makes sense. Now, once he gets up there, of course, he's a four, five, four, six guy. We've all seen what he can do once he gets that speed up. But, you know, playing in the box, I, I would love to see Malachi. If you had to man up on somebody whenever Bowers is in the slot, 
Um, whenever he's down on the line of scrimmage, you can't really ask a cornerback to guard him because you never know if he's blocking or, you know, or going to release or whatever. It's very difficult. That It is what it is. But whenever he lines up out in the slot, I would love to see Malachi go out there and, and man him up. That would be that would be my choice. Downs, I just – I don't think he's a very good cover guy. I think he's a great tackler. I think he's great in run defense. But I don't think he's a really good cover guy. I think Auburn kind of exposed that last week. You know, he he didn't look comfortable in coverage, and I dang sure wouldn't trust him against Brock Bowers. But, Lester, if you had to pick a man to to line up on Brock Bowers, who are you going with? Yeah, I, w- I would lean – um I would lean Caleb initially, but I believe that you have to rotate guys. I think that you have to be prepared to throw, you know, three, four, five guys at him. You know, rotate Kool Aid. Oh well, I get you know, of course, depending on where Bowers is lined up. Obviously, you're not going to put Kool Aid over him if Bowers in the slot. But um, a strategy that I would like to see used is, you know, get physical with him. You know, a lot of things, you know, with them getting to the zone and. Brock finding the zone, he has to have time to do that. And he, the more time he has off the line to do that, well, the more successful that play is probably going to be. So if you can, physical that guy up, get on him, get your hands on him, and don't just let him, you know, free release. Um, so in saying that, you know, I believe getting a physical guy, that's why I would say that Downs would be pretty good on him. I would not trust Key on him at all. Um, I will see Downs get up there, get if somebody just get in his chest. Hey, a linebacker, you're allowed to touch the receiver within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Hey, if Bowers is in is cutting across you, shove his ass down. You know, knock him, knock him, do whatever you have to do to disrupt his track. You know, you could do if you could really trust, and I don't know if Alabama's got the horses up front to do this. They they started the season great. I think they might have leveled off here in the last three or four games. But the interior of Alabama's defensive line, E. Boyd B, Tim Keenan, um, whoever else is it, you know, the, the four or five guys they rotate. If you could trust those guys to win their one-on-ones and even win some double teams, um, then you could really, whenever Bowers lines up at that tight end spot, whenever his hand's in the dirt, you can put Dallas Turner or Chris Brassel over here and just yeah. hold him, you know, just yeah. hold it and not, and not let him release. Now, they could be running the ball, and whenever that happens, you might get blocked out of the play. But if you could trust your interior defensive lineman to give you a lot of help right there, and, you know, in in reality, that's the best way to do it. Of course, that's in a perfect world, and we don't live in one of those. And that would be very difficult to do and kind of a high risk, you know, because if they catch on to that, then they're just going to run it right behind Brock, Brock Bowers. And they're like, yeah, he's not going to release on him because he's terrified of going out for a pass route. So let's just run behind him. And that takes a, a, a run stop right of the equation. So – it's high risk, high reward, but you know, in perfect world, that's that'd be the best way to do it, right? Yeah, that's the key. Like you can't, like one thing isn't going to work. They have to be prepared to throw out. You know, I would hope to have ten different scenarios, and I guess what five or six we've just mentioned in the past couple of minutes. Hey, you have to throw several different things so they can't keep. Basically, he yeah, he can't know where the punch is coming from because if they know that, they can prepare for it. So, you know, hopefully I'll have, you know, several different strategies to throw at him, you know, based on down distance, you know, wherever he's lined up and all that stuff. J-Law, there's rumors flying around that Lad McConkey, uh, that's what I call him because he's pasty, but rumors flying around that he is, might he may be out for this game. If that's the case, where does your confidence level go to? How, how much does he add and, you know, 
oh my gosh, if Georgia has that guy, then they're a completely different type of offense. And yeah, he he has made explosive plays, but just how scary is that guy in your opinion? I mean, he's made plays against us. I mean, Natty, SEC championship game. I think the first time I ever heard of Ladd McConkie was in the first quarter of the 2021 SEC championship game. Got played the whole season. I had no idea who he was. Um, so I, I he does worry me a little bit, and it's just it's simply because he's the next man up on the depth chart. So if you got to go to the guy behind him, obviously that favors Alabama a little bit. Um, McConkie's played a lot of football. I think he's he's a fourth or a fifth year guy. He, I mean, he's playing playing for this is his fourth year at least of playing, and I just think that if you know if McConkie can't go, that forces somebody else up. I mean, obviously Kirby's running him out there for a reason, and we know about McConkie. You know, he's got a funny last name, and it kind of came out of nowhere. But Alabama's been killed by the Hunter Renfro's of the world. I mean, those guys have posed a lot of problems. He's a quick guy, maybe not fast, but quick. Somehow finds his way behind defensive backs. Even Terry on Arnold was talking about him today on some radio show. Um, but if McConkie can't go, man, I think that that bodes pretty well. And also changes up what Alabama might think they have to do on defense. You could put a little more focus on Brock Bowers. How much confidence does Carson Beck have in to throw into somebody that he's not necessarily used to throwing the football to against the best defense that he's going to face all year? Obviously, man, if one of their big guys – one of their starters isn't going to play a receiver. That helps Alabama. But, yeah, I'm worried about McConkey. He somehow gets open against everybody, scores touchdowns, um, you know, and I, I'd i be – I'd love to – I'll be honest, I'd love to see Lad McConkey not, not play in this game. Yeah, all, all the help Alabama can get being an underdog in this game. Moving to the offensive side of the ball, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Georgia sitting there with a strength of schedule of 56, Bama at 15 – and you can go down and Georgia has a better offensive stat box than Alabama does. But I did see something on Twitter. It's Georgia versus Bama in November. And the reason I like these stats is because it's the closest that Georgia has played to an Alabama-type schedule this year. And it's also the end of the year when, you know, your team is firing on all cylinders offensively and defensively. So both teams are without question playing the best football right now. Georgia's played three ranked teams, two of them, or they played four games total, two games on the road. Bama's played one ranked team with LSU. They played four games total, two games on the road. The total offense, it goes 494 yards a game to 476 Bama. So Bama outgaining Georgia by almost 20 yards a game. Points per game, um, Bama's leading Georgia 46 to 38. So they've outscored Georgia in, in, in the month of November. Passing yards, Georgia leads 264 per game to 255. And then rushing yards, Bama edges Georgia at 240 a game to 212. So when you really break down what have you done for me lately type stats, offensively it leans towards Alabama. And so Lester heading into this game, first of all, where's the confidence level? Because, I mean, Georgia has been – so stout on defense the last two years. It seems like in 2022, they didn't miss a beat from 2021. Um, arguably one of the best defenses ever. And now in 2023, yes, they are solid on defense. But we talk about the strength of schedule. Their run defense is sitting there at like, like 26. And whenever you play a soft schedule like this, that's kind of eye-popping. So, J-Law mentioned earlier, they don't really get to the quarterback. 
how, where's your confidence level right now in this Bama offense lining up against this Georgia defense in this game? Man, my confidence ranges from about a three to an eight. Damn. Either or. Dep- depending on? Depending on if Jalen Milrow will take off and give the defense what it gives him. I, this, this this Georgia team, you know, and I haven't been able to watch much of Georgia football, but, you know, there's no, you know, N'Kobe Dean. There's no, you know, I don't know several just elite guys that Georgia has had, those big-name guys. Um, you know, the guy that plays for the Eagles, um, accessory to vehicle manslaughter guy. Um, I, I just, <laughs> I just, you know, if if Jalen was – Which one? Off, yeah, which one? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the guy that was fell to the Eagles, surprisingly. Um, but but if if he would just take off and take what the defense gives him, which is if they're not gonna spy you and nobody's open and you have a 20, 20 lane, you know, twenty yard lane to run, take off, bro. We don't need you to be Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, we don't need you to be, you know, any elite pocket passer. That 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 don't worry about that. Be a baller. Be a football player. Do what Staten says. Take what the defense gives you and take off. And that is the most punishing and deflating play in football. It's when the quarterback takes off and there's no one there to cover him. And, oh, by the way, this quarterback is probably one of the fastest guys on the field and one of the strongest. You have to lay it all on the line now. There's no self-preservation in this game. Um, if they want to have a shot at making the playoff, you have to overcome Georgia. And that that means doing what you have to do to win the football game and not being a hero through the air. Um, I believe now in saying that, I do believe that this um Georgia offense, this Georgia defense can be thrown upon, especially deep. But when that is taken away, hey, one, two, three, four seconds, if it ain't there, buddy, take off. Well, that's the, that's the defense of old. You know, the last two years against Georgia, you beat them deep. Alabama proved that, and the last time they lost was just 2021. But the thing is, Lester, I see holes in the front seven here, man. Like, I'm not saying they're, they're issues. I'm not saying they're huge problems. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I mentioned them being 26 in the country in rush defense. And, you know, that's just not up to Georgia's standards, I guess you could say. Um, but Lester, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll go with you and my confidence level is anywhere from a three to an eight. And just it's, a, it's, one guy. I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. It's everything that you said, man. Yeah, I said this before. I'll say it again. Jalen Milrow still is not a natural quarterback. He's not going to go in the first round of the NFL. What makes Milrow elite is his legs. If you ask Milrow to sit in the pocket and beat Georgia with his arm, he's not going to be able to do it. It's as simple as that. Argue with the wall. But when you incorporate his legs into the run game, now you help him out tremendously. Now you help your whole team out tremendously. Now as a defense, you have to change your focus on that, which helps the passing game as well as the uh, the inside run game. We've seen this. And, Lester, you said that hero word. Jalen, if you're listening, don't try to be a hero with your arm. Take what they give you. Sometimes when you have the ability to run like that, a five-yard run is better than a forced throw or an incompletion. 
it, you know, even if it's a, a two or three yard run, just take it and go. So J Law can, you know, same question is uh is what I just gave Lester and what I answered myself. Where's your confidence level as the for or for the offense as a whole before we get into any details? Where's your confidence level as the whole with this offense facing this Georgia D? I think just piggybacking what what off of what y'all said, but I, I think that Tommy Reese knows he can't go in here with the Auburn game plan. He can't go in here with the first half of the Texas A&M and Tennessee game game plan. You got to use your best weapon when it comes to elusive plays. When it's not there, take off, run. I don't even think you need to count to four. If you drop back on your two-step drop and you get combo coverage the way that Peyton Thorne got combo coverage last week, go, get seven, get eight could turn into 16, could turn into 30, depending on what Jalen Milrow could do in the open field. Also expect without Jace McQuellen for Alabama's run game, it's going to sound bad to slightly improve. I think this is a bruiser game. I know Georgia's run defense isn't where it was two years ago or last year, but I still think this is a game that, you know, you're going to need to run in between the tackles. You're going to need to to be able to move the football on the ground. Georgia's has a, I mean, Kamari Lasseter is one of the, the best corners in college football. Malachi Starks is on the back end of that defense, too. Like, they're not slouches in their secondary either. So, I mean, like, we're going to need to run the football. I think Roy Dell and Jam are kind of – they're kind of built for a game like this. Three yards, cloud of dust. Don't really have to find a hole. We'll make a hole. And I think Jalen just making plays with his arm, if it's there, make the play. Don't short hop a receiver that's wide open. Don't get in third and seven. So if you got a second and seven, there's no reason to sit back there forever. Go get two or three yards. Get you in a third and manageable. So, But I think the game plan is going to help Milrow. I trust, for some reason, I feel like I trust Tommy Reese in a game like this. He's come up in big games for us so uh, many times this year, and I think he comes through again. You're Tommy Reese, Lester. How do you approach this game? Is it the same old thing? You just run Milrow because, you know, if if Milrow gets hurt, Reese has to understand, if Milrow gets hurt running the ball, and I don't know if this is something that he and Saban talk about, if Saban's worried about him getting injured or whatever, Milrow's gotten really skittish. He was really skittish in Auburn. Every time there was trouble, he was going down. You know, Tennessee, he was lowering his shoulder, running over folks, or LSU, whichever one, LSU maybe. And now it's like, oh, you know, I'm just, if I, there's nothing there, I'm just going to fall down. You know, I'm going to run out of bounds. He's, he's acting like a – He's acting like Tom Brady whenever he gets out of the pocket. And he's got to realize, buddy, you're 225 pounds. Sometimes you got to lower the shoulder. You got to lower the right shoulder. You can lower that left one. And Reese has to understand if Milrow gets hurt running the football and Georgia ends up beating you, then you ended your season doing the absolute most that you could. You maximize your offense's potential because you were throwing everything you had at him. You were doing everything you could think of. You were using your best athletes. How many times have we heard Saban say that? It's not about plays. It's about players. Milrow is one of your best runners. So, you know, if he gets banged up or whatever and you lose the game, then you lost the game doing the absolute most you could. That's how I look at it. How do you, how do you think Tommy Reese approaches this game? Yeah, I, I man – like, like 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 what we saw in the Auburn game, like what we saw in big games with Saban in the past. To Tommy Reese, buddy, if 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 a if a game changing play happens not in your favor, do not go conservative, buddy. Do not 
those 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 creative, those cool plays you got in your pocket, run them still. Because look, we saw when the Iron Bowl when that touchdown got called back, and the, the it just seemed like the offense completely changed. The the entire mojo of the offense changed off of that one play. If Bama goes up fourteen to zero, it's 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 about to be a route down on the plane. But you can just see it. And I think Alabama fans, we can just feel it in our soul like, oh shit. Like you can see it. The the philosophy, the moxie, the mojo, it has completely shifted 180 degrees. Whatever happens Saturday, keep your foot on the gas. Keep that same mox, that same swagger, because you can't allow, you know, things like that to Dictate football is a game of ebbs and flows. You know, Nick Saban should understand that more than more than anybody. But for some reason, that guy gets tight, and you can just—it's—it's it's weird how you can just see it manifest and happen in real time. So my 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 word to Saban and, and Teresa is: don't get tight. Keep doing what you're doing. Chase, it's the same philosophy that we see all the time. We used to watch football games together. What somebody's up late, and what do they do? Go conservative. Go conservative. Try to kill your clock. No, keep running your offense. Stick to your game plan and keep doing it. Don't waver from it if you don't have to. J-Law, you mentioned Georgia's defensive backs. Um, You know, starts, Kamari Lassiter, Dalen Everett. Because they're so good on the back end, I think Georgia's defense is like 12th in the country. Alabama's a 15, something like that. They're, they're right there neck and neck. Both had tremendous pass defenses. Um, do you think Tommy Reese maybe goes somewhere different in the pass game? Do you maybe think that you see maybe some more option routes for your running backs and uh, maybe some, maybe a couple more tight end catches than we're used to seeing? Do you think maybe C.J. Dupree and Maury Nyblak can really do some damage here in the slot and uh, – you know, Dupree coming off the line with his hand on the ground. Yeah, I really like Dupree. I guess a couple games going into before the Iron Bowl, he was getting some catches. Not black, looked really good. Got the touchdown against Kentucky. I think Alabama's tight ends. Listen, they're not brought Bowers, but a, a good tight end across the middle. We've been saying it for years, and it just feels like we haven't been able to recruit a good one. And we finally got a couple of them on the roster now. Man, it just really, really stresses the defense on what they want to do. Um, I though the same way that Kool Aid and Terion are able to lock down a couple of guys, Alabama's got two of them, Georgia's got one of them. I think the other corner for them is is Everett, I believe that was, that was his name. But I mean, so like they're going to be able to take away your number one, but can they take away your number two? So if they lock up Burton, can Bond get open? Can we use the tight end? Who else can step up? We've been seeing a lot more Benson the last couple of weeks on the field. Um, I guess that's pretty much our rotation right now. Uh, Kobe Prentice getting some looks every now and then. But, you know, I, I think that Tommy Tommy Reese's mindset in this game has to be, even if we win this game, we may not get in the playoff. So let's go win the SEC championship. I know, like, that's, that, that's not – I mean, obviously you want to make the playoff, but you know you're not getting in without this win, and you still may not get in with it. So let's go win the ball game. Let's do some things different. Georgia's playing with a lot of pressure in this game because there's a lot of people saying that both teams can get in if Alabama wins. I don't. I just don't think that's the case. Um, so I think Georgia's playing with a lot of pressure. I don't expect to see anything crazy from Kirby Smart. 
I expect the I, I expect Alabama to be the team that gets to get a little loose in this game and do some things that they don't normally do in uh, football games. But I think Tommy Reese, heavy dose of Milrow. If you're fir- if they're going to give you your first option receiver in Burton, then you take it. But I think Georgia's good enough to take that away. So I that's what I'm most interested in. How good is Tommy Reese? Is he's going to be able to adapt his game plan in this game against a really good defense when you're going up against two defensive coaches? Well, really three if you count Will Muschamp that are all smart enough and good enough to dial things up to take away what you want to do. Now what? That's what I'm kind of looking for for Tommy Reese. Lester, the line on this game is going down to Georgia minus five. I've seen it up to six and a half in some places. And, uh, you know, it originally came out at three, and then it it jumped to five and a half after the Iron Bowl. Down to five um, right now. So money's going to Alabama. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, this thing ends up being three and a half at kickoff um, with more money going towards the tide. How do you see this game going, Lester? Give me a score prediction. Yeah, due to um, hopefully the defense being more aggressive, I would love for us to uh, create some turnovers on the um, defensive side of the ball. Um, after the Iron Bowl, I would probably – I probably came if – if we recorded Saturday night or Sunday after Iron Bowl, I would probably would have told you that Georgia covered, but I calmed down and looked at looked into some stats and um, looked a slightly deeper dive into that team. And I, I think Bama will beat Georgia this weekend. I'm going to give you a score of – I'll say 31-27. Um, I think it'll be tight. But I also think that this game will be a game of um, who turns the ball over less, if at all, and who can't create turnovers. So um, I believe that their weaknesses is our you know, strength points and vice versa. So I think it'll be a game of turnovers. And, uh, yeah, two pretty evenly matched teams. And I think that Bama pulls it out. Man, I love that, Lester. I love that right there, dude. You know, Break this thing down position by position. Quarterbacks, flip a coin. Neither quarterback has faced a defense this good, but Jalen Milrow's been in bigger games. Carson Beck really hasn't played a, a secondary with the Pulse. So flip a coin there. I like Milrow and his legs personally, as long as he uses them the right way and Reese uses them the right way. Running backs with Jace going down, you know, not that Jace is a bad back. But I do think that he's been Alabama's worst back. Now, once again, that's not saying that the guy sucks. He's very good. But I think Roy Dale Williams right now is running angry. You watch him get the ball, man. He's not running like he did the last two or three years. That dude's running pissed off, and I love it. And, of course, I said for two years that Jam is the best running back we have on the roster, and I still believe that. Um, Georgia receivers, I'm going to give it to Georgia just because they have five guys with over 300 yards. Of course, one of them being Brock Bowers. Um, Alabama's only got two. So Georgia, Carson Bay, has done a really good job of spreading the ball around. It makes it tougher. It makes it a little more stressful for Alabama secondary because you kind of have to cover everybody. But you always got to got to keep an eye for or a couple of eyes on number nineteen. Um, you know, offensive line. Georgia's given up eight sacks. Bama's offense, the way they've improved, I flip a coin there. Um, front seven. I mean, Georgia's defense ranks twenty six against the run with the fifty six toughest schedule. Give me Bama there. I, I like Alabama's linebackers. Hopefully Deontay Lawson's even healthier than he was last week. I don't think he was he was 100% last week. Hopefully he's closer this week. And then secondary, J-Law mentioned all those guys back there. I reiterated it. Bama's got two first-round corners and a future first-round safety. And so I like Bama's secondary back there. And so, Lester, you're right. Who Who's going to turn – who's going to make the costly turnover and who's going to get the timely turnover – 
I think this game's a coin flip, man. Um, I do like Bama plus the points. I'm going to take Bama to win 34-31. It might be a little bit higher scoring than everybody would predict, but I'm going to go 34-31. I have faith in Tommy Reese. J-Law kind of taught me into it. I was kind of on the fence, and uh, he saw me back to over to the Tommy Reese train. So, come on, Tommy, put it together, baby. Let's go get an SEC championship. J-Law, Georgia minus five. Who do you have winning this game? I can't pick against Bama in this in this ball game. I'm going to go 27, 24 or Rikard field goal as time expires for Bama to get the win. I think he gets back. I think Rikard in a dome is such a weapon. So you're going, kind of off. you're going with a game winning field goal on the 10th anniversary of the kick six. That's when we're recording this November, November 30th. I yeah, like 56, 56 shorter. Got too much. Bama yeah. in me. Just as long as Riker's not wearing a 99 jersey, I think we'll be I think we'll be good. No, I I, I don't see a a game. Like I was thinking it could be what if it's 34 27? I'm like, well, you start doing the math, that means you're gonna have at least five scores in the ball game for Alabama or Georgia. That one feels tough, but 27-24 feels about right. Two really good defenses going at it. I wouldn't say two. I wouldn't say two elite defenses because both Alabama and Georgia have had better defenses than what they have right now in the last seven or eight years, at least in a couple seasons. But I'll say two very, 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 very good defenses. Maybe two of the best in college football this year. I don't know just how elite they are. Um, But I'll take a 27-24 Rikard field goal as time expires Alabama into the college football playoff. All right, man. Yeah, like like I said, next time we record, we will know whether Alabama, if they win, whether they're in the playoff or whether they're out. Um, hmm. until then, guys, I have nothing left, man. Let's let's go strap it on. I mean, let let's go let's go get after it. Um, you know, Saban's what eight and one in SEC championship games. Was he like seven and zero in the new dome? So those odds are playing into Alabama's hands too. So, anything y'all want to add before we hop off? Hey, isn't uh, Kirby one and four against Saban too? Since we're throwing out records out there, is he? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one and four. Twenty eighteen, twenty seven, or twenty yeah, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty twenty one. Am I missing? Oh yeah, twenty twenty beat that ass at home. You're right, yeah. Esther. Damn, one and four. One and four. Yep. Should right. be zero and five. It should, should be, be. five freaking turf. The turf monster got us twice. Damn injuries, man. Yep. But all right. Um, yeah, guys, appreciate you listening in. Roll tide. Um, let's go get a ring. Step one, let's go get in the playoff. Episode 101, Gump Runners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We're out.